0: God's doing just in this church through the next generation, and we say that all the time that we're a church about the next generation, but man, the proof's in the pudding. God's doing some great things through the young men and the young women that are our teenagers that are now becoming young adults, and um, just exciting to see what God does through all of the different teenagers that are becoming young adults. So hey, this morning we are in a new series. Actually, it's a second week of a new series called The Altar. And last week, if you were not here, you may be wondering, what in the world is going on with the rocks? Um, This is actually from last week. Last week, we talked about what do you do with the broken things in your life? What do you do with the things that are hard, that are painful, and you don't know what to do with them? Because, man, you don't have to tell somebody what to do with fun things, how to have a good time, how to have a fun time. But when you're going through the hard, painful, broken times, how do you function in that? And we talked about, uh, we just had the illustration and there's still some rocks down here at the front about, man, it's, it's what we've got to learn to do is to make an altar from it because an altar was made from the broken things. It wasn't one massive piece of stone, um, but when Noah, when Jacob built an altar, it was from broken pieces of rock that they would bring the broken things together and they worship with the broken things and that man if we're what we've got to learn to do with the broken things is to bring the broken things and to set them to place them to release those broken things and to learn to worship through and with those broken things and make an altar out of it to learn not to wait till it's done raining to learn to function but to learn to function in the rain to learn to function in the pain in the brokenness and um, if you didn't get a chance to do that last week you may have been gone. And man, you're just carrying down. You're just carrying around brokenness. You're carrying around things that you just weighed down. And you're tired. This morning at the very end of service, we're going to give you a chance also to respond. There's some rocks down here at the front. There's some sharpies. And what we want you to do is just grab that rock, write whatever you're carrying, and just place it. Leave it at the altar. Don't pick it back up but leave it at the altar because that's how we make an altar is that you don't pick it up and take it home with you, man. You leave it and you place it in God's hand and you finally, finally, finally release it. And so uh, if you weren't here last week, you may be like, man, I've got a lot of heavy things. I promise as we were putting all these stones and these rocks together, there were some heavy things that people wrote. Um, And this is about, you don't have to go through that life that way, but you can cast, you can release all your cares, all your worries, all your struggles on him, because he cares for you, man. He is concerned about you. But today, we're kind of flipping the script on the second week of the altar, and we're, we're talking about something, and this was a message that was really, really tough for me to prepare, because I got to be honest, I am needing to buy what I'm selling this morning. I'm, I'm needing to apply what I'm preaching because this is one of those messages that I just kept going into Casey, and I'm like, Casey, this is a hard message for me to prepare because there's so much I need to apply to the message myself. And so um, I just. Invite you, have an open heart, have an open ear, um, and, and man, grow with me this morning. I, I, this is a we message, not a you or a me message. I'm in it with you. Um, as we get ready to go, I, I wanted to define what an altar actually is. An altar, um, especially in the Old Testament time, was a surface on which sacrifices Were offered. It was a place where they would bring burnt offerings, where they would bring uh, offerings of worship, and they would sacrifice it on the altar. It was a surface where sacrifices were offered, and a sacrifice was simply something that was given up. To God. Something that was placed, that was given up to God. Now next week we're going to talk about the brazen altar and it sounds boring. Um, And you know me, I can't stick on something boring for too long. Um, So we're going to dive in. We're going to touch it. But next week, listen to me, next week is going to be a great week for you to invite somebody you know is struggling in in their faith. Somebody you know who's struggling with guilt. Somebody who's just not where they should be in the relationship with Jesus Christ. It is a great week for us to be found people that go out and we find people and we bring them into a place where they can hear a message that will change their life. So that's happening next week. Um, but this week, it's all about something that I struggle with, you guys probably struggle with, and we're gonna pick up from our text in John chapter 6 where Jesus fed the 5,000. We've talked about this last week where he made sure to pick up all the leftovers because God never wastes anything. Um, The real danger of something getting wasted is us. We're the danger, we're really in danger of wasting the broken things, the hurting things, um, the painful things, Um, and, and, and God is concerned about always making sure nothing nothing gets wasted. But immediately, not immediately, but several hours after this happened, after Jesus feeds the 5,000, several hours later, he crosses a lake, and when he gets there, people are waiting for him. And when he talks to them, he's talking about this miracle. He's talking about this occasion that happened on the other side of Of the lake except Chad his boat didn't slip off his trailer. Um, It's it's it stayed on. So I love you Chad Craig. Um, John chapter 6 verse 25 (laughs) says this. When the people found Jesus on the other side of the lake they asked him, teacher, when did you come here? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth you aren't looking for me because you saw me do miracles You're looking for me because you ate the bread and were satisfied. Don't work for food that spoils. Work for the food that stays good always and gives eternal life. The Son of Man will give you this food because on him God the Father has put his power. And then, verse 66, on down the end of this chapter, Jesus goes on and keeps saying really hard things, right? He keeps saying, man, this is what it really is about following me. And it says this, after the end of this occasion, it says, after Jesus said this, and I would encourage you to go back and read all of John chapter 6, after Jesus said this, many of his followers left him and stopped following him. So, so this morning, this message is really, if you're a follower of Christ and you want to know how to take it to the next level, that's this message. That, that's, how, do, how do I really go from kind of intro to really following after Jesus Christ? Here's, here's what I, I, I like about this text. It said in verse 26, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you aren't looking for me because you saw me do miracles. You're looking for me because you ate the bread and we're satisfied, here's what's happening, is all these people that are on the other side of the lake, they're just chasing the bread. They're not chasing the bread of life, they're just chasing the bread. They're chasing what Jesus could give them, not for who he was, right? They were looking for the next handout. And um, you and I, I don't know when you go to a nice restaurant, um, but I love bread. I am a, I know bread's awful for you, but it's so good for you too. I mean, it's good for your soul, I swear. Um, it is so good. And so maybe bread's not your thing. So we're gonna kind of Tulsa this thing up. Um, the way that I gauge a good Tex-Mex restaurant is based on one sole thing. How good are their chips, salsa, and queso, right? Because um, if you got me at the beginning with all the free appetizers, I am yours. And I'm gonna give you a Tex-Mex cheat right now on Monday through Friday, starting about 4 o'clock, I think it goes to 6 o'clock, at your local Chewies, there is a free, let me repeat, free nacho bar. And what I mean by nacho bar, there are all the chips you want to eat, there is free taco meat, there is free queso, and there is free salsa, and it is free awesome. I mean, it is awesome amazing change your life. And so my family loves to go to the free nacho bar at Chewy's. And we just piled on. And and, and I've heard before, don't, don't get too full up on chips and dips. You'll ruin your, you, you ruin your appetite. You want to eat your, you won't want to eat your meal. I don't care what my meal is. My meal is the chips and dip. When I go to a Mexican restaurant, I'm like, bring more tortillas. I've got queso here, right? Um, and they're like, well, what do you want? I'm like, a salad. You know, because I just ate 5,000 calories in queso. Just bring me a, a piece of lettuce right now. Does it have protein though, right? Um, um, if I eat enough protein, it'll make up for it. Here's the deal. I fill up with chips and salsa. I can go to El Guapo's and fill up on the salsa and the queso there because it's awesome, right? I mean, I love it. I, I, mean, I, I love chips and salsa and dip and— but the problem is, it's not the main course. It's not the main thing that old guapos does. It's not the main thing that Chewy's does. It's just the thing before the main thing. And I get filled up on the thing before the main thing, right? I get filled up on what is free, on what is probably pretty cheap. And can I got to tell you, as followers of Christ, we're in danger of falling in love with his hands instead of his heart we were really in danger of falling in love and looking for the next handout instead of being concerned about the development. And that's where these people were. They were looking for the next handout instead of, being concerned about how Jesus wanted to develop him. And then when Jesus says, hey, no more free food, no more, no more bread, no more chips and salsa and queso, but if you really want to be developed, let me show you, it says this in verse 66, they got mad left, right? They didn't like what they heard. They're like, ah, ah I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that because that's not fun. That, that's, not, <laughs> that's not easy for me. I have to give something up for that to happen. And so, my hope today, and I've got to go quick because we always want to give a response time. My hope today is that there is a shift that happens in our relationship with God. That we go from God, you need to do this for me, to it's shifting to saying, God, what can you do in me? What what do you want to do in me instead of me telling you what? to do. It's like a one-year-old yelling at a 50-year-old telling him what to do. Like, you're going, what are you talking about? You know, I'm like, get out of here, kid. You know, Um, (laughs) I don't kick kids, okay? Um, (laughs) I don't think I have to say that, but it's a weird world now. Um, My pastor said I could. so how do we have this shift happen in our relationship with the Lord? I, I would tell you this first, is you have to lose control if He is to be in control. You got you to lose control if you're really going, if He's going to have control. And, and really, it's really a great illustration, the one-year-old and the 50-year-old. Uh, the one-year-old thinking He's in control. You're in, Here, here, for all you control freaks, you're not really in control in the first place. And... and this is this is the we part of the message. Okay, I, I'm I'm in it with you. I think I'm in a control of a lot more than I am in reality, and it really reminds me of when my family used to go to Ken's Pizza growing up. Some of you, some of you remember Ken's Pizza. Some of you, um, it, it's like. It was a much better Mazio's. Let me just put it that way. And if you own Mazio's, we're glad you're here, and I hope you tithe. But um, I'm just I'm just being really honest right now. Like I love Ken's Pizza. You guys are like, wow. Um, I'm just being real right now. Um, you know, I I love Ken's Pizza, and there's still one in Sepulpa that we go to every once in a while. But here's the deal: growing up, you didn't have all-you-can-drink Coke, right? Pop. Like there was no soda fountain that you just got to go to. Even even before the free unlimited drinks all the time, you had to buy a cup, right, at Bozio's or Kins, and you had to bring your special cup in order to have unlimited refills. And if you didn't, you were like, dang it, you know. Um, but, but way even before that, I know I'm aging myself, and I'm totally good with that. What you did is you ordered a pitcher of Coke, right? Right? And, and, and then they would bring you, we had a family of four, so they would bring you four glasses with ice in it, and then there was the pitcher set in the middle of it all. Now, there's a false illusion here when somebody set the pitcher in the middle of it. You would think that any person can grab the pitcher at the table. No, 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 you stupid, stupid little boy. Um, (laughs) No. Here's the ultimate, pa- the ultimate power grab of all time, all, all time. Better than the remote control, better than driving, ultimate power grab was this. My dad, and I love my dad. I would have been the same way, so I'm not throwing my dad under the bus. This is exactly how I would have been. He would grab the pitcher and he would pour how much Coke would be in your glass and it would be completely like three feet, fill it up. You got one glass, right? growing up you got one glass he'd fill it up boom and he would be like then he would not just determine how much you got but he would determine when you got to drink it right like don't don't drink too much because that's all you get once it's gone it's gone but dad there's a whole pitcher of coke over there i I know but this is for me you can't handle this yet son It's, it's too much for you right and really what he's saying is, I can't handle you on more coke, is really what the reality was. But, but here's the deal, and some of you may be like, well, just grab it. Don't grab the pitcher if you run out. That's like touching the Ark of the Covenant or an Infinity Stone off the Avengers. You will die, son, you will die. He will hit you with the bottom of his big OU ring and be like, stop it. <laughs> here's the deal. This is control. I I got the picture. I'm in control of how much you get, when you get to drink, all this stuff. But, But this right here, this picture, this illustration pales in comparison to how many of you and I are living our lives. And we struggle with yielding control. Because here's the deal is that last week we talked about bringing the broken things. And it's easy, a lot easier for me to hand over the broken things. But That's not all that God asked for. And this is where people got upset and left because it was no longer chips and queso. It was the main course. Jesus said, no, no, no. Man, bring your broken stuff, absolutely. Bring your painful stuff, absolutely. Lay it down and man, let's make something beautiful out of it. But now I want the beautiful things. Now, now, I want the good things that you're holding on tight to. I I want the things that you've worked hard for. Right? I, I want the things that you've waited for. That, that you did A plus B, and it equals C, and it's not a bad thing, but that's the thing I want you to worship me with. That's the thing I want you to surrender it over to. I, I want the relationships. You know why a lot of us are so, uh, uh, man, hesitant to yield control over our finances? Because it's a control thing. I'm just being honest. I'm being real. Why a lot of us are really reluctant to yield control over our relationships? Because, man, we've worked so hard to get our relationships here. It's one thing to give him the broken things. But this morning, God saying, no, 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 no. Justin, bring it to me. Worship me with the good things. And you got to lose control if I'm ever going to have control. Truly, truly, because I got control over it anyways. So why don't you just stop acting like the one-year-old and finally hand it over? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 25. I love the way the message translation reads because you guys have heard this verse this way. Um, If you're going to follow after me, you've got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after me. Here's what the message translation says. It says, then Jesus went to work on his disciples. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. So don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is my way, is the way. My way to finding yourself, your true self. You're not in the driver's seat I am I'm one of those that likes to drive everywhere I go from church on a road trip I want to be behind the wheel. I could be falling asleep I'm like no I'm fine I'm fine. Right? I I if my wife drives bless her heart um we could be going home from church I'm like why are you going this way? You know like like she knows how to get home Justin shut up and just enjoy the ride. But I've got to like pick apart. Like, why? 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 Because I want to be in control. I want to control. I want to dictate which way I go home and the direction that I go. And many of us, we're the same way with just life in general. We want to be in control of the way our relationships go. We want to be in control of the way our health goes. We want to be in control and dictate where our finances go. We want to be in control of where our future goes. And that's a huge one. We want to be in control of the potential of things. And God says, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not the way. You're not in the driver's seat. It's about following me, not trying to lead me. It's about losing control so that I can have control. Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Right? We can make our plans, but here's how it's really going to go. It's Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24 says, The Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? That's a hard one for me. Because I'm willing to let, just be transparent with you guys today. I'm willing to let God take the lead as long as it makes sense. I'm willing, I'm just being honest, I'm willing to let God take the lead up until the point where it doesn't make sense to me. And can I tell you, when when I start reading the Bible, I don't want to, really, my core doesn't want to have a relationship that makes sense. I want God to do the abnormal. I want God to do incredible, amazing things. But if that's going to happen, I've got to stop insisting in being in control. And i got to lose it. Because here, and here's why you can do that. Here's, here's why you can finally let go of the picture. And it's simply this, I can trust his dreams over mine. I can trust his dreams over mine. Over mine, and this point crippled me this week. Because the reality of my life sometimes is, I don't believe this point at sometimes. When when I don't understand his timing, it's hard for me to still trust his dreams over mine. When I don't understand financial, it's hard for when I've got everything going. When when my kids are turning out, I can still trust his dreams over mine because if i'm to truly follow him it's about denying my way it's about denying control and giving control and yielding control and losing control because i can trust his dreams over mine in genesis chapter 21 verse 1 through 5 You know the story of Abraham and Isaac, but it says this, "'The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah "'exactly what he had promised. "'She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son "'for Abraham in his old age, and this happened "'at just the time God had said it would, "'and Abraham named their son Isaac.'" Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. And Abraham, catch this part, was a hundred years old when Isaac was born. You thought your daddy was old. Um, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 through 3 says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. That got really weird. He tasted Abraham. Um, Tested. Abraham's faith, he leads you in ways you don't understand. I tasted, tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son. I I want you to imagine this without knowing the end. Abraham's a hundred years, over a hundred years old at this point. Take your son. Not, Not just one of your, your only son, yes, Isaac whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah and go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac, and then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. This morning, I have good news for you. This is not a sermon about you sacrificing your child, so everybody calm down. But Isaac was the good part of Abraham's life. I, Isaac represented more than just a descendant. Isaac was the fulfillment of a hundred year promise. Isaac was the fulfillment of waiting faithfully. Isaac was the consequence of his father's faithfulness. He was the miracle child, but, but, but hear, hear this. Isaac was even more than that. Isaac was Abraham's future. This is where generations are gonna come from. He's the fulfillment of thousands of promises that God has made to Abraham. And yet that's the very thing that God asks, is the thing that Abraham loves. And and this caught me this week as I was reading and I I was going through this for some reason. I don't know if I was reading the cliff notes of the Bible or what was happening, Um, And I zone out sometimes when I read, you do too. Um, Don't blame yourself. Um, It happens to all of us. But I thought Isaac was like a one-month-old when God was sacrificing, or when Abraham was called to sacrifice him, which he must have had an incredible vocabulary, because he's like, Father, where's the ram? That's a really talented one-month-old, I know. Um, But I was like, okay, you know, Abraham's going to sacrifice Isaac. Maybe they don't have this attachment yet. Maybe Isaac's been keeping him up all night, crying, you know. I'm like the Ragsdale's and Zeke, like, okay, God, You said it, um, you know, like not that you would kill your child. That's what I'm saying. But um, this went really weird, really fast. Um, but here's the reality. It's, Isaac is now somewhere between six and 30 years old. We, we don't know the exact age of Isaac. But what we do know is this, is that Abraham has been allowed enough time to fall in love with his Isaac. Whew. He's been allowed enough time to fall in love with the promise that was given. He, he's been allowed enough time to create memories, to laugh with, to teach him, to fall in love with his Isaac. And that's what God asks for, is the thing he values the most. And, and what Abraham does which is so hard for me to grasp is he does not fall more in love with the blessing than the blesser. He, he doesn't somewhere fall in love more with the gift of Isaac than the giver of Isaac. And I, 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 I got to be honest, I struggle with that. I struggle with, man, God, you've given me this. There's potential in this. Man, this is, all, and to bring it in, to yield control, because that's what Abraham was doing. He was just yielding control over his plans for Isaac and to yield control over his Isaac, man, that is tough, and yet that's what it's all about. About man, deny yourself deny not just part of yourself, not just the bad part, not just the broken part, but all of yourself, pick up your cross and follow after me. Watch your Isaac this morning. Man, man, what's that thing you've been holding on to? Because here's the danger. If you love Isaac, if you love the blessing more than the blessed, the blessing has become your idol. Instead of your worship. ah! Oh. I tell you, I love this church. I love Foundation Church. I tell you, this, this church is like an Isaac to Casey. Now, we love you all. We've, I'm not leaving or anything like that. Don't be like, this is a perfect setup. He's leaving. He's out of here. No, no, no. <laughs> that's, that's not this sermon. I hope that sermon, I don't think that sermon's ever coming. But here's the deal. Man, There's plans to be honest there's potential there's things that I see God doing and I don't want to yield control over it and yet God's saying Justin Justin my dreams are better than your dreams and you know what really you're not in control of it anyways so surrender it parents can I tell you I know you've gone through all the baby wise classes <laughs> your kid knows how to do sign language that's awesome I got a potty, I gotta make, right? I, I got it. You can course the plan, but God determines the steps. You you can know where you're going to be financially, but man, can I tell you God determines the steps. And He's calling us not to just worship Him for the chips and queso, for the things He's given us, for the things He's taken away that we didn't want in the first place. Now he's saying, man, don't look, out for, don't look just for the handout, but come on, lay it all down so I can develop you. Bring me your Isaac so I can do in you what you've been wanting done this whole time. And here, here's, here's why. I always need, like, the answer to why, right? And that doesn't always come, <laughs> But here's why you can trust his dreams over yours. It says this in the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 9, God's speaking, and he says, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. That's God's decree. For as the sky soars high above earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think, is beyond the way you think. I don't think the way you think and I don't work the way you work. I end with this, when Charlie was really small, my oldest, two years old, I don't know if you've ever tried to put a two-year-old in a car seat and buckle it safely, but it's like wrestling an alligator and trying to buckle it (laughs) safely. And I'm just like, what's going on? Okay, have at it. You know, and they fight you and they're like, no, no, and Charlie's big tagline was this, I do it myself. I do it myself, right? And she would push away, she's like, I do it myself. And the the one that's hard is the one right by the legs, because they got little chubby legs and you're trying not to pinch it. And if you can do it without pinching your child's legs, you're like a ninja now. Congratulations. Um Charlie would get into it, and it's all tangled, and she's like, I did it myself, you know, and Casey has to go untangle it. She goes and starts pinching her leg. Charlie's like, I did it myself, you know, and Casey's like, I'll help you, you know, and she buckles her in and very rarely pinched her legs, um, you know, and Casey never lost her temper for the most part. Usually, I'm like, just let me do it, kids. Shut up, there. I'm trying to keep you safe, you know, like, <laughs> what's going on? Oh, Dad Yell at myself, you know, um, Can I tell you, as much as I would love to say it's not what we look like, it's exactly the same thing. And we're trying to work it out ourselves, and when it doesn't work out ourselves, we're just saying, I'll do it myself, I'll do it myself, I I got it, I'm in control, I'm in control. And just like Charlie, she didn't know how to work it out, her mom knew how to work it out. You may not know how to work it out, and you've been yielding and holding on to control, But just like Casey knew how to work it out, God knows how to work it out if you'll give it to him. You may be here and and, and maybe it's just, man, it's not in my timing and I've been trying to get the timing down, the timing down, the timing down. It hasn't worked, but can I tell you, if you will stop your timing and you will allow God, it may still not be your timing. But just like Casey knew what she was doing, your Heavenly Father knows what he's doing. He just doesn't work the way you work and he doesn't think the way you think. And you can trust your dreams to his dreams. He works better, he thinks better, and I know that hurts your feelings because it hurts my feelings. But what keeps him from truly being able to work without there being a fight is your willingness to surrender. And the only person that gets hurt, the only thing that's stalled is your development because of your fighting and your stubbornness. Trust him with your dreams. What's your Isaac? What's that relationship? What's that promise? What's that timing you've been holding on to? Because here's what I can tell you. Here's what I can promise you. You can trust him with your Isaac because his dreams are always bigger and better and smoother than yours. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for today. I thank you for how you are moving and working, not just in my life, but in the life of your people. And God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and our lives today. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, we want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you're just not where you should be in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, you you made the decision a long time ago, but you need to recommit your life to him. We wanna give you that chance um, because really, it's just about falling in love with Jesus all over again. And you've drifted and you've fallen in love with other things that are way bigger to you than Jesus Christ. And you say, you know what? Today, I need to get it right. Today, I need to make a first time decision or today, I need to recommit my life to him. When I count to three, all I want you to do is raise your hand we're not going to embarrass you we're not going to lead you to another room we're just going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life and your forever That's you when I get to three raise your hand one, two, three is there anyone here today you say Justin that's me and you join the hands that are lifted in this place is there anyone else you say Justin that's me Justin that's me today is there anyone else before we go any further you say Justin that's me You raise your hand. If you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. I confess that I've sinned, that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I ask for your grace and your mercy and love to enter my life. God, I I let I, I leave the life I was living behind. To grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's what I want us to do. If you raise your hand, man, we believe that your relationship with Jesus Christ is an ongoing journey. And we would love to help you with your next step. All of us have a next step. So if you raise your hand, if you've got questions about